You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 132. Welcome back to the podcast, sweet friends. JC here, bringing you another conversation that glorifies the goodness of God and defines what it means to be fruitful. You have heard her on the podcast before when she jumped on to discuss gifts and media back in season five of the podcast. That was a while ago. In episodes 93 and 94, she is funny, she is talented, she is beautiful, and just has an amazing heart. So I know you are going to love this episode. If you are moved by the testimony of my good friend, Eleni Young, after this episode, go back and listen to those episodes 93 and 94 that she did with me a while back. They are super good. But today... Eleni is here and she is sharing her story of redemption. Childhood trauma led her into an identity crisis as a young teen and Eleni opens up about same-sex attraction, innocence, and how the Lord changed not only her world but also her own identity. Just a warning to all the mamas and daddies out there, I'm glad that you are listening but I am giving these testimony episodes a parental advisory warning due to their content so please put on some earbuds or Shove your little ones out the room. Do what you got to do. Use your discernment respectfully. Thank you. Let's get right into it, guys. This is episode number 132 that I am calling Attraction and Identity with Eleni Young. Hey, guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. As you know, every season I have wonderful friends that are willing to bless you with some deals, and this season is no different. Back again to sponsor the podcast is our good friends over at Nuggles. If you are looking for stylish yet comfortable modest clothes this season, Nuggles has the best items to add to your closet at an affordable price. Just use our special code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at Nuggles.us. That's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S and upgrade your modesty game right now hard to know what products are toxic for your skin these days, right? But shopping with Oneness Essentials, you won't have to worry about anything except how to not be completely obsessed. Like with their luscious lotion sticks, creamy body butter, and handmade cold-pressed soaps available in so many scents. Never worry about dry skin again. Use code HELLO8 for 15% off your order at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z dot com today. Kaylee is a modest shop for athletic apostolics and the daily go-getter. With quality stretchy skirts and dresses, Kaylee has what you need to make your wardrobe more versatile. Use code HelloAwesome15 for 15% off your order on their website Kaylee.com. That's K-H-A-Y-E-L-Y.com. And check out their wide selection today. Listen, 
I love being artsy, you should know that, but my handwriting kinda isn't the best. Thankfully, we have the Graceful Pen, a place for joyfully handmade stationery and gifts to uplift, inspire, and encourage. Table cards, invitations, gift tags, and envelope calligraphy are just some of their beautiful services. I truly think the Graceful Pen is doing something so wonderful, and I hope you will take advantage of using our code SOHAP22 for 5% off your custom calligraphy service this season. Our last sponsor of the Hello Awesome podcast is truly changing lives while also nourishing our skin with a spa-like quality. Delish Lips offers organic skincare with aromatherapy while donating 100% of their proceeds to World Missions. Shop this unique but powerful ministry by going to delishlipsnaturalbeauty.com and consider the change you are contributing to all around the world in the name of Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I hope you have been enjoying this new season. I know we've been talking about some powerful testimonies and some of it has been heavy, but we have been giving you a lot of hope, just giving you hope, especially when the world is dark, that we are called the children of light. We have come out of the darkness and another child of God, my sister, Eleni Young is here with us today. I love her so much. She was on the podcast before. And if you don't know who she is, I'm going to have her just share a little bit about who she is and what she does. So Eleni, can you please just let us know a little bit, a little bit about who you are and maybe where people have seen you or where they know you from? Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on the Hello Awesome podcast again, JC. It is just an honor and truly it's a pleasure to get the opportunity to talk God with you. You are such a light, um, and just such an encouragement and I'm a regular listener myself. So, uh, I'm excited for what this season has as well and just honored to be part of it. Uh, I am a apostolic singer, songwriter, artist. Um, I, let's see, I am working on some stuff right now, but my most recent song that has gone out, um, was with Ricardo Hatfield, a fellow Canadian artist. And yes, I am Canadian. (laughs) Um, and we recorded good to me that released back in April and God's been doing some really cool stuff through that song. So, uh, just an honor to be used by God in that, uh, caliber, because I just, I don't know. I never really feel like I'm good enough. And I just, a self-conscious subconscious voices, you know, telling me, Eleni, Eleni, you, you've wanted this for so long, but you're not that good and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's not about me. It's about God. And I've, I've loved getting to see the stories unfold, um, based on some of the music I've released. God has given me some songs in this season that have just been so good and, and just so, um, uplifting and encouraging. And so good to me is one of those ones. And, uh, it's been playing, um, in the radio on the radio across Canada already, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, doing a number in the States as well. So that's really fun. But yeah, I'm kind of just secluded up here in my own little, in the middle of the Canadian prairies, doing my own thing, business owner, mom of two and uh, living my best life. I love that. I really do. And the last time you were on, we did talk about worship and we talked about, you know, the Lord and the Mm -hmm. power of worship and 
we there was so many layers to that conversation so um guys if you haven't heard that last episode go back and listen to it uh i can't remember the number of the episode i'll probably put it in the description below but um yeah and i i just really was excited to talk to you again because i know that we have like kindred spirits and we've <laughs> gone through similar things especially in our past and that's what kind of led us here today because we've been talking about testimonies um, in the middle of our fruit of the spirit studies. And, you know, a lot of us that have gone through some hard, hard things, Mm. we have so much experience that I think shapes our thinking and I guess helps us be more aware if that's a good word. And so I wanted to give you a chance to share a little bit more about your testimony that maybe people haven't really heard yet. And so I'm not sure where you want to start, but if you could just walk us through maybe the beginning of where this kind of started for you, this journey with God and, and maybe like before then, like if, if there were certain, certain things that you were battling, like how old were you when you started, you know, kind of struggling and I guess, where do you want to begin? Well, I think um, what would be the smartest thing to do to tie it all up would be probably to start when I was about eight years old. I was, um, I grew up in the home of an alcoholic. I think I probably mentioned that in my last uh, episode with you. Um, My dad was an alcoholic. My mom was um, a workaholic. (laughs) We own a restaurant. So she was sort of married to the restaurant for a season. Um, and, uh, my dad was very absent, but yet he lived at home. (laughs) He was, uh, he worked on the oil field on the rigs is what we call it up here. So he would work shift work, like, I don't know, just making it up, but maybe like 21 on seven off or something like that. So, he would be home, but he would be really cranky when he was home and he would be, he would drink quite a bit. Uh, and then for a time he actually left and then came back, but that's besides the point. Cause that was a little bit earlier, but regardless, I'm, I'm eight years old. Um, and I am sexually abused by a cousin. And, um, what's not funny, but funny is this moment in my life was actually so traumatic for me that I actually forgot about it until I was, um, planning my dad's funeral in 2020. And, um, I was just talking with my sister and we're getting things ready. And who are we inviting? Should we invite so-and-so and so-and-so? And And I was like, uh, no, we probably shouldn't. I don't really have a good feeling about that person. And, um, and then it all came out. That's why you don't have a good feeling about this person. It was like, wow. (laughs) But, um, I was eight years old. Um, see, I'm a popcorn talker. This is going to be hard. I am sexually abused by uh, a cousin. And basically after that, I had been pretty smart. I had been, you know, a pretty okay kid. I mean, I was a little bit crazy. I had a, like, you you know, I had an abusive father, so I was a pretty crazy rambunctious child. But, um, when I was eight, I felt like my world had shifted dramatically. And I don't know if this is something that shifts for every eight-year-old girl, you know, with, you know, in terms of like preteen hormones or stage of life, intelligence, I don't know. But for me, um, my whole world changed and almost in an instant, um, I became 
very, very self-conscious. I became emotionally extremely unstable. I required counseling. I required a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, I was going to therapy and anger management. Um, and that sort of followed me throughout my preteens and then into my teenage years. Um, on top of that, and I assume that most of your listeners are females. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm going to talk female for just a minute. Um, I got my period quite early. Um, I don't know if that was the restaurant food or not, but (laughs) it's kind of the running joke, GMOs and stuff. But, um, because of that, um, I, and I did have endometriosis. So I would have these really painful periods. My moods would be literally all over the map. I was just crazy. And so from about eight to about 12, um, I was just a little bit messed up. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. I was getting into all kinds of trouble at school. I was lying. I was just this basically a sociopath, but in a little form, little package. Um, I was super mean. I was a bully and I was also being bullied by some people that were older than me. So I kind of just, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So I, I would take that to school with me and I would bully the kids at school I would spend a lot of time in the principal's office. I was just troublesome, you know, and that's pretty much the best way to put it. Um, When I was about 13, 14, um, I was in junior high and uh, I met a group of of girls that were just really bad. (laughs) That's the best way for me to put it. They were, um, they were trouble. They would, they would party they would get booze from their parents. Um, and, and then I just started drinking and experimenting with some, some drugs. And, and that was not really great to be mixing with the already weird brain space that I was in as like a early teenager slash somebody that has suffered sexual trauma slash somebody that was already like just totally emotionally off my rocker. Um, so putting all that together, as about a 13, 12, 13, 14 year old, uh, I was getting into quite a bit of trouble and, uh, I lost my virginity at that age. I don't remember what age around I was probably 14. Everything that was going through my brain, everything that was going through my body physically, everything that was spiritually affecting me, like in terms of what kind of people I was hanging around with. I mean, they did like Ouija mm-hmm. boards and they were like, we were emo goth. <laughs> like, yeah. We were so weird, mm-hmm. but like dabbling in the demonic in that way, put mm-hmm. all that together and you've just got a really, really bad situation. So yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and so from then on, I had this like really exuberant, I don't know if that's the right word, <laughs> identity crisis like this wild form of identity crisis that it's hard to even explain it because in a way as, and always this whole time as a child, like up until this point, I've been sort of a chameleon. Like if somebody's really cool, I'll start acting like them. I'll start talking like them to this day. This is like how I have these, this ability, this weird ability to start talking in accents is because I've spent (laughs) enough time with people and I could just pick it up. And then all of a sudden it's who I am. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like, and you're creative. So that like probably goes right that part of you that without even thinking like subconsciously, you can kind of like create who you are. 
Exactly. I could literally create an identity for myself. Wow. Yeah. Around certain people. So around this group of people, I love partying and I love whatever around the youth group. I love Jesus and I love whatever. And then around my family, I'm like, I'm the boss of this house. No, don't mess with me. But then around certain other people, I'm like, I am very shy and very quaint and kind and nobody like, don't say a word. Like, so I had all these identities that were like following me around that I had created around these like pseudo groups of people. And, um, from there, I started to understand that I didn't really know exactly who I was at all. (laughs) I had built so many layers and walls and barriers and and identities around myself that like, when it came down to actually understanding who is Eleni Young or Eleni Nolan at the time, like there, I had no idea. And it, it all started, I feel like when somebody had taken my innocence from me at such a young age, because it was like, at that moment, I had sort of given away a Lenny Nolan to somebody else. And then from then I had to curate these different people <laughs> that would come with me and follow me and be a security blanket in any circumstance, in any situation. I don't know if any of this makes yeah. sense, but it makes sense. In no, my brain. that does make sense. No, absolutely. And I think what we don't talk about enough, especially like in the church when we have converts, is the fact that not only are people like, you know, going through a transformation, but most people have to deal with trauma and totally. trauma has layers and layers. And we cannot expect somebody that's coming from the world and going into the church to all of a sudden like have nothing, no problems. And we're not saying that Jesus can't fix them all. He obviously can, but he mm-hmm. also lovingly works through those issues like a gentleman, you know? And I think, right. especially when it comes to trauma, because I also, I mean, when you were talking, I was like, here's another thing that we were like on the same page, not a, a good way, but I guess we can connect, we can trauma bond here, mm-hmm. but there, bond. there was that. something, I know, I, <laughs> I know. I did too. I kind of just threw that in there. That's great. Um, but I, I, I also was uh, thinking about my childhood one year and realized that I also was uh, sexually abused uh, mm. by a family um, friend's daughter who was my good friend at the time. And uh, we were young girls, young kids. And uh, she was also obviously a girl. And, um, I had to actually come to the terms of like, this actually did happen. It was Mm -hmm. wrong and it was not your fault. And I also had to bring it to my, I felt for me to bring it to my mother's attention years and years and years. I mean, at this point I was like married, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't remember if I had children yet, but I remember thinking like, I still need to share this part of myself with her that this had occurred in my past and she was unaware of it. And it Mm. was something that I was able to tell her and we kind of wept about it together. And, and that was, you know, a closed chapter there, but I did feel closure, at least confessing that, that this happened to me and be like, yes, this happened to me. And Mm. um, I think sometimes too, we don't feel safe. We don't have like that safe person or we don't feel like safety especially when we're kids, like we look to adults for safety. And when we have adults in our life that are not safe, we, we start to become the adult. 
and we totally. do adult things. And that's oh my gosh. how I feel really. like when you're talking, it's like you had to grow up so fast and you had to take on all these things and process them pretty much on your own. And so it's no wonder that you're like, who am I? Because you really should have been just a Lenny, the kid, but you kind of totally had this big stuff happen to you too young. And now you're like a Lenny, an adult trapped in a kid's body. Literally. And I remember, um, uh, I don't know. I don't remember if this was, I want to say it was like my psychiatrist possibly. I remember having a conversation with a psychiatrist at a young age and her being like, well, you're not going to be able to be a child anymore. Like, I remember just thinking like, (laughs) I'm not a child. Don't talk, like, don't talk to me like I'm a child, you know, but she made this comment about how, like, basically you are going to mature so fast now because you have this grown up perception of who you are, but you're trapped in this little tiny body. Like, I remember her having this chat with me and I, I remember being so confused about it because I was like, I, I don't see the issue here. Like I am an adult, I'm a young adult and I don't remember seeing the, and, and even to this day, like some of my closest friends are moms and like, and I have a hard time identifying with how they're mothering because I don't mother my children like they're children, which is probably a bad thing, but To me, my kids are like little mini adults. They're not children, Mm -hmm. even though I know that that they are children and they've not suffered trauma. Thank the Lord. Um, But, you know, it's like one of those things where she does these things like, well, I have to put a hat on so that his head doesn't get too hot. And I don't want him to get like a sun heat stroke. I'm just like, I've never like, I don't even think about that. Like they should be able to get a hat if they need it, like you know, which is like so dumb because they're four and five. Like they don't have yeah. that, those problem solving skills, but like, because I never was really a child mm-hmm. or I never really identified as a child, it's hard for me to, to parent in that Sure, because I'm just like, my kids are just mini adults and they should be able to do the things that adults can do. And they should be able to ration rationale rationalize there we go yeah like adults and problem solve like adults but like they're not they're kids and they they have this childhood of in front of them that I am trying really hard to enjoy but like you know it's sure I'm parenting them like I was parented and that's yeah. a problem you know yeah not and it, not that it, that's the worst but no well I think also you can get the other end where people are extra coddling and they won't let the child even stand up without you know their hands on top of them but, yeah. um, you know, and I think you just kind of learn to be independent and, t- and to take charge and, and you're kind of instilling that in them, which is not a bad thing. And obviously you're aware of it. And thankfully, you know, the Lord helps us in the areas mm-hmm. where we see that we can maybe, you know, kind of be more flexible, but yeah, yeah. So I can see why, like by the time you were a teen, I mean, you started really young with all mm-hmm. of this trauma and all this stuff going on that by the time you were a were a teen, you really weren't a teen in your mind, you know? No, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that sort of brings me to this place where I was at a crossroads and I was like really struggling with my identity in terms of like sexuality, because as you know, an eight-year-old, this person that had done so much damage to me emotionally and mentally and physically, it was a male. And I was just like, I'm not interested in that. I don't want that. Like I had boyfriends and, you know, I will be the first to say like, 
I had boyfriends and we were sleeping together from basically the time I was 14 and up. And like, I had other people's boyfriends and I had random one night stands. Like, I'm not proud of that, but that's just part of my story. And like, I can't erase what's been done. Only God can do that. And he's, you know, it's in the sea of forgetfulness, but that doesn't mean that it never happened, you know? So, um, and I do carry a lot of that around with me because (laughs) I live in the same community that I grew up in. So I'll see these people out in public. I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You know? And I know that I've been redeemed from that shame and I don't need to carry it around with me. It's just, but you know, there's certain interactions that I have with other people on a very regular basis. Not only am I living in the community that I grew up in, but I own a restaurant (laughs) in the community that I grew up in. So, I mean, my customers are some of my ex-boyfriends or my ex-boyfriend's girlfriend or, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so in their family now, like, and it is what it is. And I've learned to just kind of laugh about it and it is what it is. But, um, all that to say, um, I had this weird crossroads with my sexuality where I was like, I'm not really that attracted to males. Like they freak me out. They give me heebie-jeebies. Um, I don't, I don't like how they touch. I don't like how they talk. I don't like how they basically anything about Mm -hmm. the male species as a whole. Um, and I was like really, really attracted to some friends of mine, which was like so weird for me to think about now, but I was in this space where I was just like struggling so hard with who I was and my identity and who Eleni Nolan was underneath all of this baggage that I had been carrying around for years. And when it came down to it. And of course your hormones are insane when you're a teenager and you can't really control yourself. Sadly, you know, you find yourself in these situations where, you know, for myself, it was like, I had the opportunity to be with a woman, a girl really. And I took it and I was just like, dang, this is what I love. Like, this is, this is who I am as a person. And not to say I necessarily ever came out to anybody or I never, I never had this big thing where I was like, really gung-ho pride rainbow Mm -hmm. and everything. It was more of like an inside thing where I was, it was a battle every single time that I would like think about this individual. It was such a struggle because I knew in my head that it wasn't who I was, but every other part of me was yearning so much for that. And now I know as an adult, I can say like, all I wanted was to be loved, you know, and, and no one night stand no sexual encounter with any male was doing that for me. Like nobody was really giving me love. They were giving me like a good time. But when I had the opportunity to have a girl who loved me for who I was and like, she showed me everything that I wanted and needed. And she gave me the things like for me, I was like, I feel it. This is the love that I've wanted so long for so long. Yeah. And like, you couldn't change my mind at that point, you know? And I, and Sorry, oh, I was I was just going to say when you made a good point by saying you couldn't change my mind at that point because that that pivotal moment literally you were getting what you thought you needed mm-hmm. you know that love that attention that affection that you yeah. didn't that you weren't getting anywhere else and you know I do think it's important to acknowledge that you know, besides the fact that I definitely um, was in that same boat as well, is I think sometimes like now that we look back, I'm not trying to derail us, but now that we look back of like on same sex attraction, 
Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that. We want to diffuse that and we want to put it, put it away as, as, as quickly as possible because we know that that's a slippery slope in, in Christian circles. We understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think we have to understand that the, where we have to understand that there's a desire there and we mm-hmm. have to look at the motive of that desire. And so when we have a teenager coming to us or we see a teenager, whether in the church or in our family or whatever, having that affection towards same sex or they're feeling drawn towards same sex, that attraction, mm-hmm. I think it's important if we could, if we had that relationship to acknowledge with them, like there's a motive here mm-hmm. or a reason not to explore it in the way that the world wants you to explore and find yourself. Find your truth. Right. But as a way to obviously seek the truth. Right. And realize that maybe you weren't attracted to them because they are a female. Maybe you're just attracted to what they can give you. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily remember being like, you know, this girl walking into a room being like floored by her good looks. Like it really never was that. It was conversations where I felt like, wow, I finally feel like I can open up to somebody. And I finally feel like somebody is getting on my level. I finally feel like somebody loves me enough to understand where I've been like that's, And in truth, that's the love that we should find in a spouse, like, you know, um, but like at the time I was searching absolutely everywhere when like, in theory, I shouldn't even have been searching. Like I shouldn't have needed to be searching. I was you know, 15, 16, like, I don't need to be looking for a spouse (laughs) at that age, but just with the way that my past had been, and I just needed that love and that reaffirming everything and all the things like I was totally looking for a long time relationship with somebody without even really knowing it, you know? Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. And I think it's because it's that security and that safety. And when you don't have that, when you don't feel that, especially with the adults around you, we either create it in our own mind somehow. And that's why we stay with people who aren't good for us or, or we seek out, you know, a friend who should probably stay a friend and we make it romantic because we have all of these things going on, um, Mm -hmm. that we're basically not keeping under control or, you know, yeah being responsible with. Yeah. And that's why like to this day, and maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but like, I have so much compassion for the LGBTQ two plus, whatever you want to call it movement. Like I have my heart, my heart wants so badly for them to know Jesus because like, I just want to scream from the rooftops. Like you guys, we're all looking for the same thing. Right. And it's not in necessarily a spouse or a partner or like another human being, but like we can find that in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But of course I know that now at the time, I definitely did not know that. However, I had grandparents and and people in my life that were praying for me, which was great. Um, And I feel like that had a lot to do with what happens next in the story, which is basically it's so funny because like, this is not how I thought the story was going to go at all in this time frame. but I was sort of living this life and dabbling in this. Um, and 
I was tormented. Like I had these dreams and, and the other thing that was weird, I guess, is that this girl, um, was like, she was a gypsy, she would call herself a gypsy, but she would read tarot cards Mm -hmm. and she would read your dreams and interpret your dreams. And so I was like, totally and utterly, I would, I want to say I was tortured with these dreams, like these nightmares that would end always the same way. And so I would go to her and she would interpret these dreams. And like, I just felt so much, um, I, I felt so safe because I was like, all oh, these things that are making me absolutely terrified, I'm finding safety in you. And like, I'm finding you're, you're helping me feel comfortable and you're helping me feel like I'm not, I don't need to be scared. And like that right there, you know, that's mm-hmm. all it really took. Right. But, um, I had hosted a party in, uh, and I don't remember if I touched on this in the last episode. So if I did, I do apologize if you're hearing this again, but, um, I had hosted a party, uh, just, I don't know, a few kilometers out of town miles, sorry for the, (laughs) the, uh, American listeners. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I invited everybody basically I could think of, we ended up having like 400 people show up to this party. It was nuts. And it was on somebody else's land. Like I totally trespassed. And, um, in this slew of people, there was this guy who up up until this point, I hadn't really necessarily been super attracted to any guys like, and like, don't get me wrong. I had been sleeping with at this point, men and women. Like I was all over everywhere. Like I was basically, if I could have identified myself as anything at that point, I would have been bisexual. So I was like Mm. happily, happily having this relationship with this girl happily having several on the sides with men, boys. And like that, that's kind of where I fell in this spectrum of sexuality for a Lenny. Um, and so I, I saw this guy at this party and I was like, so attracted to him, which is so weird because I, (laughs) at this point hadn't really felt that way about anybody in a long time. And, um, I guess I was like trying to take his shirt off and it was a whole thing. It was disgusting. And I'm not proud of that. Um, that was in August in September, October, I had met up with some, a friend of mine and she had asked, Hey, do you want to sing a song together for the talent show? And like, I'm like 16 at this point, like nobody sings in the talent show anymore. Like we're way past that, but I was like, you know what? Sure. I'll, I'll do a talent show thing with you. So we met up, um, and she'd like cold message me. I said we were friends, but like, this is the first time that I had really met her. I guess we had seen each other in circles and stuff, but Um, we had met up at a Starbucks and we were hanging out. She brought her boyfriend at the time. And, uh, we, the three of us just hung out a lot. And then at the end of the month, I want to say October, they had brought in this other friend who, uh, I guess was sort of part of their friend circle, but could never make these hangouts. And they had talked about him all the time, but I just (laughs) never could put a face to the name. And so, um, he, he showed up and I was like, oh my God, that's the guy from the party. That's the guy's like shirt. I was trying to rip off. No, (laughs) this is so embarrassing. It's like a nineties teen movie. Literally. I was like, this is basically the worst possible plot twist I could ever, ever have thought of. Yeah. So I was just like, Hey, I'm a Lenny. He's like, yeah, I know who you are. I was like, Oh my God, I want to die right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so, uh, we kind of like awkwardly became friends and like, he was really nice. Uh, and we, we just kind of like hung out the four of us for months. Um, and then this couple that sort of introduced us broke up and then the two of us started, or I guess kept hanging out at that point. So, um, his name was Jeremiah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
uh, he would just, we'd take me out for coffee. And what I didn't recognize then that I very much can see now is that he was filled with the Holy ghost and Mm -hmm. what he was offering me every single time we hung out was this safe space that I didn't really know that I was missing out on, you know, because this other so-called safe space I had was demonic. It was absolutely demonic and it was sinful and there was nothing safe about this safe place that I had with this girl. So I would just feel so much peace when I was with Jeremiah and he, he offered friendship like immediately. And it was just like, Hey, just, you know, I'm not interested in anything other than like the odd Starbucks hangout. Like I've got friend zone pretty much right off the bat, but, mm-hmm. um, I kind of felt the same way. Like I didn't really, I didn't think of him that way. I thought of him as this strange, like, how are you living in Lloyd Minster and pretty attractive and like, how are you just single and then hanging out with me? <laughs> like I was not, I was not the cream of the crop. You know, I, I was, I kind of looked bisexual. I, I had a whole look, I dressed weird. I was quite big. It was just a whole thing. So, and super um, insecure at this point, I'm sure. So insecure. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that that ever went away. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I had been insecure collectively from the time I was around eight years old and it just kept building up and building up and building up and certain situations would make it worse and, and all these things. So like, I didn't trust anybody as far as I could throw them. I, I was just not interested in really curating and having and nurturing these new friendships with people, but he just felt so different and not at all in this way that I thought we would maybe hang out or, you know, become a girlfriend and boyfriend. Like it was just like, he felt so safe. Um, he was so loving, like he was so kind and I knew that he was like this church boy and I sort of made fun of him for it for a long time, but he, naturally. uh, <laughs> yeah, naturally like he would always, like, I would say I would drop so many F bombs and the swear words coming out of my yin yang. And he would just be like, that, I know. you know, you shouldn't be saying <laughs> that stuff. I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. You beep, 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 beep. Of course. And, uh, yeah. And he's just like, okay, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, you know? And, uh, little by little, as this relationship between the two of us grew stronger, um, friendship, I should say my relationship with this girl grew a lot weaker. And I didn't find that when I was hanging out with her, I felt the same way. And I thought it was just a phase. Like I thought like, well, maybe we're just like not feeling it. Maybe we need to take a break from each other. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like how relationships are, um, I honestly feel like it was the spirit of God that was drawing me out of that relationship and into a place where I could find a place of repentance because it wasn't that far into my relationship with Jared that I decided to go to church with him. And I mean, he's like my mom, I've seen his mom. He, she wore skirts. So I was like, I'm going to wear a skirt. I wore like the tightest mini skirt I could possibly find. And it's, oh my God, thinking about it. I'm just like, oh Lord. And like, Mm -hmm. I had like a pixie cut. So my hair was like spiky. And then I had like big, long feather earrings and like my boobs were hanging out everywhere. Like it was so not a church look at all, but I thought I was being modest because I was wearing a skirt, you know? Well, that's what Um, happens is, is most of the time, like when you are quote unquote, a worldly girl, you don't have skirts and dresses like that as much. I think that has changed over the last couple of years where like modest dresses are now like more mainstream. But I remember like back in the 90s, even like the 2000s, the early 2000s, I mean, 
if it was above your your knee, totally fine. It's it's yeah. a, it's a skirt and it's a dress, so that's more dressy than anything. So I totally understand. It's it's definitely <laughs> a different like mindset. And I was not wearing very modest dress at all my first day either. And mm-hmm. I remember being so mortified when I realized that early yeah. on that I was like, oh, I can't believe I just wore that. And everybody's like, Hey, you came. So it's fine. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that when you're in the moment, you're like, I, I am being pretty modest. I have a skirt on, don't I? Yeah. Like you should be happy with what I'm giving you right now. Cause yeah. I could be wearing pants, which honestly would have been way more modest than what I was wearing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But it is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, um, I showed up to the church and just felt so much condemnation and judgment from the people that were attending his church and like mm-hmm. the pastor and his wife, it was a whole thing. Like, I, I can't remember again, if I mentioned this in the last one, but like the whole church service stopped. Cause I had gotten lost. I was looking for this church and I didn't realize that I was, it was actually a house. Like they had gutted out a house and turned it into a church. So I was looking for this church building and I had stopped at a church down the street and was like parked outside. And I was like, this doesn't look like the right place because nobody's here. And anyways, I ended up being really late. And, um, so I came in during the worship set and like Jer was playing the drums and that was all the instruments they had. It was like a drum player, a tambourine, and then like the song leader (laughs) was really, really great. Um, and so, um, the whole service stopped and they just watched me walk in. And then like Jer's mom was over on the side and she's like, come sit with us, you know? And I was like, okay, like, where else am I going to sit? And it was just a really unfortunate first time church experience for me. And I know for a fact that had I not been really interested in this safety net that I found in Jer, I probably would have never gone back ever. Mm. I would have run the other way. And I just like, that is my heart's cry for our current church. Like, Yes. I I want so badly for our church to just be like this safe place. Like you can show up naked. We do not care. Like we will probably put a robe on you, but (laughs) that's besides the point. I mean, that's biblical, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) We got to clothe each other. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So like, I, I, I just want that so badly because I know what it's like to be, to, to feel what I felt that day. And I just never, ever want anybody to feel that way ever. And I wish that every single church in North America and across the globe could hear my heart right now, (laughs) because you are somebody's first experience with Jesus Christ. People are not and like, I mean, yes, when you're out in public and you have these interactions, those are important too. But when you finally get somebody through your doors and you don't say a word to them, or you turn around and you make a scene about them coming in or you know, you don't even do the courteous service of just like introducing yourself. Like, how dare you? You're literally like, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. And you're just sitting there on your pew. Like, I just can't anyways. Yeah. Uh, stepping off my soapbox here. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm so, right there with you because I think, I mean, we could just, t- we can take a little detour, just a tiny bit. Cause I know you have a story, <laughs> but no, I, and I don't want to harp on it too much because we love the church. That's why we're saying this. We are, we, as people who have lived in the world and have found a family within the family of God, when you're in a family, you see the flaws. And if we say there's no flaws to the family of God, we're not being truthful. And we have to also be very careful. We know not to beat down the flock. That's not our job. But at the same time, it's like, 
we can encourage and edify, mm, you know, that's right. Paul wrote a lot of things in his letters that were not PC. Um, right. But he also totally. wrote a lot of things out of love. And so if you, if, if we are going to have the revival that God really is, has already prepared, there's already a harvest, you know, the, out there. If we're going to have this crazy revival, we have mm-hmm. to be kind when the people just show up, even if they show up really rough, even if they show up totally. late, even if they show up literally drunk and high, which yeah. we might kick them out, but it's like, don't kick them out. They showed up, just let them sit, you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. special spot because the Holy Spirit can move. It's almost saying that God can't move because these people are not hundred percent prepared or qualified it's like none of us are none of us are and so that's my little soapbox too but (laughs) i just think and and most of the people i know are very genuine and they don't feel that way but it can come across that way and there are a lot of people who actually just have built up these walls against anybody who's not in the church and have these like negative connotations towards that and it's like we have to hate the sin but love the sinner and not Mm. like have that hate goes toward goes towards the soul because we know that jesus loves that soul yeah and as long as he loves that soul then we ought to love that soul too even if they show up a hot mess yeah absolutely and i think god like you can see so many times in the new testament where jesus came face to face with people that we don't talk to even in church Jesus came face to face with a woman who was literally caught in the act of adultery. She was naked. She was like totally shamed in front of all these people. Jesus met her where she was. In fact, I love how the scripture specifically says that he knelt down and started drawing or writing in the dirt. Like he literally went down to her level Hmm. and met her there. Like, we don't know what he wrote, but I honestly think that he was processing and he got down. And he was spending time on her level. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. we know again about how Jesus came face to face with this woman at the well. I have a whole song dedicated to these two women because I just feel like people don't understand the the magnitude of these two women and how it was so imperative for Jesus to come into contact with them for the church of today. Like these right. examples are so important, but this woman at the well who like the whole city had disowned this woman. Like they were like, we want nothing to do with her. And I could think of people in my own circle or people that I know from my own town that have a bad reputation. Like, and I, and I have certain, um, I have a way of thinking of them perceptions. I have a perception of this person and I, I Lord forgive me for that. You know, because if Mm -hmm. that person walked into my church, how would we treat her? Right. You know, what would happen? Would she come back? Would she even stay? Right. You know, and that's been my heart's cry for our own church is like, we are in the community that I grew up in. Almost nobody from my church grew up in this community, um, which is cool. I think it's awesome to have people that bring like sort of an outside influence, but like my church or sorry, my pastor and his family, they're from Ontario. So it's a very different, everything's very different over there than it is here. Mm -hmm. And so like my husband and his family, they're from the East coast altogether. And they moved here when he was 12. So like, I am the only person in our church that has grown up and was raised in the community where we have a church. And so 
I have these perceptions of people based on like things that they've done or things they've said or circumstances that they've been in and God have mercy on my soul. If those people walk into my church, the church of the living God, and we don't address them and treat them with the love and the respect and the honor that Jesus Christ himself treated these women in the Bible who were in the same position. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, I love those stories as well. And, and I did have, you know, my Bishop teach one time on both of those separately, but the woman at the well, she went to the well at a different time. That's why there were no other women there because she could not be around those other women at the same time. She had to go a different time to the mm-hmm. well to get her water if you read the the context right. and understand the culture and then the woman who was caught in the act of adultery it is speculated by my my bishop that he he believes that he would have put it past jesus that he was writing the sins of the accusers in the sand <laughs> oh yeah which we don't know that's all speculation know, but, but why not hey so god knows all things and mm-hmm. so there is none holy and we all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. And yeah, I, and, and I, and I understand your unique, your unique situation too. And mm-hmm. all the, what you've, what you have gone through, you went through in that community and people that are still in that community have built lives there. Now they have families. Yeah. Now they have businesses now and you have to still be around those people. And so I understand that if you had your heart closed off, then God wouldn't be able to use you. He Mm -hmm. might have to go through a different avenue. And it's almost like you're also missing out on your own blessing too, because totally he could obviously use you, but then he could like change things within you as he uses, as he uses you, if that makes sense. And he has, and that's like the really, really cool part of the story is like, you know, I'm here today talking to somebody from Connecticut, right? You're in Connecticut. Yeah. Okay, good. I really want to see Connecticut one of these days. Um, And yeah, you don't know anything about Lloyd Minster. You don't know anything about, you know, the, my family, my restaurant, the people, no, you don't. I promise it's pretty (laughs) bland here, but like we have such different stories and our lives are colliding in this way where. I'm able to share my story with the people of Connecticut, the people of America, the people that are maybe in another province or another state. Mm -hmm. And so God has given me this story and, you know, it's a good ending. I promise, (laughs) um, based on some really unfortunate situations that I had gone through. But I mean, like I said, a lot of it was a matter of like choosing to not even go near God, like, I guess I never touched on that, but in all of this, like having this relationship with this girl who was, like I said, she was a gypsy and she was into the demonic. Of course I say that now, but we thought back then that they were angels. Um, she convinced me that everything she was doing was because, you know, it was like angels of light and this was white magic. And these were things that were good. They were good things. But now I know like it was demonic, but like I had close so much of my heart off to God because I I was like God I am God and these are these angels are you know helping me form my own path and my Mm -hmm. own truth and my own this 
And I has, I was putting myself on this God pedestal, which is the worst place you can put yourself ever. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you do not want to stand in the way of God, but that was all I knew because I was so broken and I was so desperate for somebody to be a safe place, which is why I think like when I say all this and I tie in like the church, I think that we need to remember that people are looking for safety. People are looking for the truth and that every single interaction that you have with someone is the opportunity to be safe and an opportunity for you to speak truth into their life, to be an encouragement, to be kind. And people see that like that does not go unnoticed, especially today. Like you have the choice to go on the internet right now and engage in like five years worth of debating but we are not called to do that. We are called to be kind. We are called to show the love of Christ. Yeah, that could be telling somebody or pointing out sin with love. But the point of the matter is, is like when Jesus came into contact with these people, he called them out on their sin, but he also extended so much grace and so much love that the sin was like, it was like, you know, did you ever learn in school when you're trying to uh, criticize something to do it like a sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is a Canadian thing. No, I have but heard that. I, I've heard that. Maybe not in it's school, like, but I have heard that um, as a- The bread yeah. is like a positive thing. And then the, mm-hmm. the meat is like a negative thing. So it's like, wow, JC, I really, really like your podcast. I love, I love what you're doing. Um, I don't love uh, the name Hello Awesome, <laughs> but- wow, I just, I love that you're getting it out there. You know, like, I think it's really cool. Like, you know, I love the name. Hello. Awesome. By the way, I'm just like, I'm like, what, a, how can I criticize her podcast while I'm on it right now? That's the worst. That's hilarious. So <laughs> I know, love that. Or just yeah. whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, we just need to keep in mind, like when we are coming into contact with these people, what are they looking for? They're looking for safety. They're looking for a safe space. They're looking for truth. People are trying to look for it in themselves. It's not there. People are looking for to it to the media for it. It's not there. People are looking to influencers and celebrities and God have mercy. It's not there. You know, we yeah. carry that with us. And so when we come into contact with these people like Jesus, and even like when Jesus came and saw Martha, who is busy, like he never said, woman, sit your butt down, woman. <laughs> you know, like he never gave her this condemning you know, he said, Mary has chosen the better, what's the word, the better place, you know, Mary, Yeah. look at what Mary's doing. That's where you need to be right now. You know? Right. Anyways, tying all that up with the bow. Um, basically I kept going to this church. There was a big slew of events that happened, which I'm not going to talk about on here. Um, because it's not really my story to share, but, um, we ended up leaving that church. Um, some of us got kicked out. Some of us did not. (laughs) That's besides the point. And, um, we started our own in Kitscotty, which is uh, about 15 minutes West of Lloydminster. So Lloydminster has a population of about 35,000 people. And, uh, Kitscotty has a population of like 2,500 ish. So it's just a tiny little town just outside of Lloyd. It's kind of like a suburb, if you will. Um, and we started this church and there was 11 of us. There was my husband at the time. It was just my boyfriend, myself, his family. And then there was our pastor, his wife, their two kids and his mother-in-law. So there was 12 of us. And, um, that was when I think 
life got really real for me in terms of my relationship with God, because it was like church was already not going good where we were. It was really hard on my mental state because I mean, I wasn't being used at the time I had been going for long enough. And like, I, nobody was giving me the opportunity to grow. It was just Mm -hmm. like, there was just, it was a really dry atmosphere. It was really dead. It was really hard. Um, and then it got real because all of a sudden there was an opportunity for growth and it, and I mean, growth isn't always easy. And, you know, I had to make a lot of decisions in my life based on what I was learning in the Bible. Okay. Um, you know, it says in, uh, in the law of Moses, I'm not even sure what book it's in, probably like Deuteronomy, I don't know, one of the law books, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, that homosexuality, not only is it a sin, but it's an abomination. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling so gutted because I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm screwed. (laughs) I, I'm not, oh no. And like, nobody had really known. And to this day, I don't think a lot of them really know about my journey in that realm. So for me to, to be having this inner battle with myself, that's like, Eleni, now you're not even good enough to be a Christian. Like you've really, really crapped the bed here. Like you're, there's no hope for you. If you can't, not only have you sinned, Eleni, but you've committed an abomination unto God. Like you can't get away from that. You're absolutely done. And so for that mentality to, to sit in my head and like, nothing was really helping that. And it wasn't until like, I was able to find this place of repentance that was like by myself in my car, my little Ford Fiesta on a trip somewhere, probably going, I don't even know, Edmonton or something. And I remember just thinking like, it's me and myself and God in this car. I have a decision to make. What's it going to be? Do I pursue this lifestyle with this girl or do I cut it off? And I was just crying because I was like, I don't know what to do. And I mean, now, of course, the answer is so obvious, but like back then it was like my identity still hadn't been formed. Right. So if I let go of this, it was just me and I didn't know who me was and I didn't like the idea of being left alone with me. So I made the decision. I repented of my sins um, and repent as in, I said, I'm sorry. But then I also made the commitment to God to cut it off with this girl. So I did that. Um, and then I basically turned the other way. And I was like, I don't understand any of this. The Bible is freaking me out. It's a big book of rules. Like I grew up in church, JC, like this isn't new, but it was like the way that the way that the Bible was now or is now to me is so much different than the Bible I grew up with. Why? Because I grew up in a word of faith church. So Ixnay, the bad stuff and Mm -hmm. praise God for abundance and prosperity and blessings. Like that's what I grew up with. So it was hard for me to wrap my head around. Like there is some really salty stuff in the Bible that you have to get behind because the word of God is alive and it's true and it's infallible. So if you're going to take only the goods, you know, and spit out the bones, so to speak, Mm -hmm. then you're missing a whole section of a relationship with God. Right. So I made that decision 
And wow, there have been so many other things since then, like, and I, I know I kind of like the rest of the story is sort of, it goes to, to this day, you know, we got married, we had children, life's good. God has been such a blessing, but in the, in the interim and in, in the middle of all of that, there were so many decisions where I had to say, okay, God, this does not make sense to me at all. Nothing about this, like the hair thing, like, God, this is weird. Like, what if you asked us to not cut our fingernails? Like, how weird is that? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. You know, and like my family thinks it's weird and like, God have mercy. If I ever have girls one day and I have to like show them that they can't cut their hair, like what the heck, how am I going to do that? And like, I had grown up with like short hair. In fact, at one point I like had buzzed hair. So like, how am I going to live? You know? Yeah. But God in his loving kindness and his mercy said, all right, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> like literally this is how the conversation went. God said, and it wasn't audible. Like this is just, it was the spirit. And, mm -hmm. um, I remember being like, you know, wrestling with God and being like, God, this is dumb. This doesn't make sense. You don't even care about hair. You don't care about anything. <laughs> you just want my heart, God. It's the heart that matters. Right. Um, and I remember God saying something like to this effect, I'll make you a deal. You don't cut your hair and I will give you the ability to write worship music. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, and I, I think maybe I touched on that part of my story in the other one, but like I had wanted to write worship music so bad, but I really struggled. And I, I felt like I could only write songs about like boys and girls and breakups and share sex and like all this stuff. And I was like really struggling to write music, but I felt called to write music. So I was like, but I can't, but I can't, but I can't. God's like, all right, I'll make you a deal. You commit to not cut your hair. And I'll give you the ability to write songs for church, for the church. Mm. And I was like, Ugh, I really I, do want that. Oh, but what am I going to do with my hair? It's going to be so long and gross. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Okay. Oh, you know what? Okay. All right, God, fine. Oh, fine. Okay. Right. Right. I commit <laughs> right now. I commit, Ugh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. and so that happened, that actually happened. I remember like a couple days later, just chilling out. And I was like, feeling like this little nudge of creativity. So I sat down on my piano and I wrote the song. I still have it. And, and it was this like worship song that I had wanted to write so much, so badly. Um, and, and I wrote it. And then the crazy thing is, is like later on in life in 2017, I ended up taking that song to um, Nashville for a, a songwriting competition. And then I won songwriter of the year through That's the GMA. Amazing. Yeah. It was nuts. That's amazing. Yeah. It was like, okay, God, I see what you did there. Good one. Good one. Um, yeah. and then another thing, like another little side story, uh, agreement that I made with God was like, I was just like, God, I I'm not, I'm like a tomboy. Like I don't wear skirts. I don't wear dresses. I don't, I don't, that's not my thing. Mm -hmm. What if I wore like the culottes? Like what if I wore like big baggy pants? Like you wouldn't even really know they were pants. Like this is like the conversation I'm having with God. Okay, yeah. God, I mean, what if it's I very like real. Yeah. And this is like the most relatable I could be right now. I'm sure yeah. there's some listeners who have struggled with this. It's like, oh, but what about when I like, I love riding my motorbike. Like, how am I going to ride my motorbike in a skirt? That's not going to mm -hmm. work. Oh God. What about like, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And so he's like, all right, all right, all right. I'll make you a deal <laughs> as if God's this like drug Lord or something. <laughs> all right. I'll make you a deal. You give up wearing pants and here it is in my word. I know that you don't understand it and you think it's dumb. Fine. That's fair. You stop wearing pants. You start wearing skirts and dresses 
and I will give you the ability to play music by ear. And this is again, something that I had wanted for so long, because I mean, I'd sit at my piano and I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Like I can read sheet music. I can transcribe. I can write sheet music. I had been classically trained in piano for 14 years. Like I was the piano queen, you know? Yeah. So I sat down at the piano and I was just like, you know, I want this ability to play by ear, but like, I just struggle with it. So anyways, God's like, here's your choice. Make the choice. And I was like, fine. Mm -hmm. Like, can there be like a probation trial period? Like, can I try? And then we go back. Can I trust you with this? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like what's in it for me, God. Um, and literally no sooner than 24 hours. I was like, okay, God, fine. I'll, I'll wear my, wear skirts. I'll throw up my pants. Uh, whatever. It is what it is at this point, Lord, I've already given up my hair cutting. Um, no sooner than that, I was sitting down at my piano and I just started playing a song and it was like, I don't even remember what song it was, but it was like a popular song from 2010 ish in that era. And I was just like, oh my God, I've never been able to do this before. And like, I just kept playing and I just kept, and it just, the songs just kept coming and the melody just kept recreating itself. And I was doing it all by myself. And it was insane because this is something, like I said, that I had wanted for so long, but it almost took this moment of sacrifice for the Lord to be like, all right. And I'm not saying that he does that in every situation, but in that, in that position that I was in, I needed something from God. Like I just, I needed this miraculous encounter with God in order for me to feel like I could trust him and not so much in a testing way, because I know that we're not supposed to test God, but I do know that anytime that I've ever asked for God to prove something to me, he's done it over and over and over again. And I know that we're encouraged to not test God. I don't know if it's a church thing, if it's a, a Christian culture thing, but if I can encourage a listener right now, like if you do struggle with knowing God and trusting God and, and, and yeah, you can read the Bible and it's just not adding up and you're having a hard time putting the infallible living word of God to the man, Jesus Christ. You can ask God for clarity. Like you can ask God to reveal himself to you. He absolutely will every single time. And it will be something that is so specific to you that it's not even, you'll never, ever be able to, 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 um, to say that it wasn't God. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that you said that. And thank you so much for the encouragement because I can definitely testify to that as well. And I think every person who has a testimony can testify to that. It's Mm -hmm. the main reason why I'm here is I needed God to reveal to me if he was real. And I asked him to, show me a sign. And like we said, you know, we know now it's not good to test God, but when you are not saved, if you are desperate and God sees your desperation and sees your need and sees your motive, I think that's what counts. Mm -hmm. And so he sees the motive of, wanting to basically know the truth mm-hmm. and we are clouded with all of these questions the confusion mm-hmm. it's very real when we're coming out of the darkness 
And literally we are reaching towards the light and saying, can you please shine on this God? Cause I don't understand. Yeah. And honestly, he will do it. And he most likely will do it in a way that we never thought totally <laughs> would be possible. Right. And like, and I'm, I brought to this, this thought that says like, God is no respecter of persons yeah. in the sense that like, you're not too great in your carnal mortal body for God to reveal himself to you. And you're not too little. In fact, it says in the mm. word that even the least of these, or like, if you, the, it's the least of these, that will be the greatest in the kingdom. If you can, if you can dumb yourself down, I say that in that way, but if you can be like a child in the right. sense that says, all right, God prove it, <laughs> you, know? you know? Yeah. And there is honor and there is blessing and there is a covering in your life that comes from obeying the word of God without mm -hmm. understanding it. And I can absolutely testify to that firsthand. I have right. seen God move and work in my life because I have made a decision that says, God, this makes no sense to me. And don't try and change my mind about it, God. <laughs> I know you're going to try to, but I'm going to honor you by obeying your word. And I'm going to honor you by doing my very best to understand your word, to study your word, to become more knowledgeable, to eat your word as if it was my daily bread. Like God honors that sacrifice and it can look so different to all kinds of different people. For me, yeah. it's been like, God has kept me. God has kept our family. God has blessed our family. Honestly, like in terms of just finance finances, it's like we got, we're seeing just a small portion of the blessing that God has for us. And I think it honestly comes down to saying, you know what, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't click for me in my brain. I, I don't understand it. I don't know what the motive is here, but I trust you so much with my life that I will honor your word and I will obey what your word says. And I think that God really does have our best interests at heart. The desires of our heart are in his hands and yes. he is there to supply what we need, what we want. If we are truly in tune with him by being obedient to the word of God, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So this brings me to what I actually had going through my mind as you were speaking and as you were really sharing your heart is I would love it if you can just speak to the person right now out there who really is struggling with their identity, mm -hmm. who is in the church or, you know, maybe they've just gotten into the church that they really are having a hard time letting go of the definitions that they have adopted from the world. Mm. If you could, yeah. what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? Well, first of all, know that the world is controlled by the prince and power of the air, which is Satan. The world is puppeteered, if that's the right word, controlled, dominated by our enemy. So when you are bringing in if you are harnessing and harboring these thoughts, this identity, these um, self-conscious elements of your life, if you're 
if you are hanging out in that land, in that territory, you are not walking in God's promise for your life. And I don't say that to make you feel um, condemned or, or whatever. I want to convict you by the power of the Holy Spirit, because you need to understand that when you are listening to the voices that the enemy is speaking, and that can come through the media, that can come through anything that is controlled by Satan, the enemy, the devil. When you are listening to those voices, and then when you are making those voices your own voice, when you are turning those perceptions of you into an identity, you are already not living in line with God. So my best piece of advice, in my opinion, I think, now take this with a grain of salt, you can battle this alone and you might come out victorious on the other side. Um, if you have the Lord, um, he's already won the battle, so you don't necessarily need to worry about that. But if you're, if you're going to fight this solo, um, I would encourage you to not, <laughs> I, it would be a service to you to go find someone who is a mentor. Um, and listen, I'll be the first to say, maybe it's not your pastor's wife. I don't want to put so much weight on one single position in the church. But if you can find someone who's in the church, who lives uh, an apostolic life, who's a Bible reader, who's somebody that prays, who's somebody that fasts, that has a relationship with God, connect to that person. And I want you to be able to have this constant communication with them. And I, I think this is something that I would call a mentorship, you know, where you have somebody that's mentoring you. I have to this day, a couple the, the wife and the husband both speak into mine and my husband's life. They are so valuable to us. They live in Florida. Um, they are literally a text, a call, a FaceTime away. They are some of the busiest people on the planet, but they make time for us. And it can be like, guys, I had this dream, uh, and it's really bothered me because it brought me, you know, back to a time when I was, you know, affectionate towards women, woman, a woman. Um, and I can have that conversation with them. And they can help me, they can pray, they can fast, they can guide me, and they can give me a lot of direction in that moment. You'll never be able to do that alone, um, which is why I'm encouraging you to find someone. But um, I know one of the strangest things that I still deal with to this day is dreams. And like, I don't know if I'm like a different kind of individual. I'm not like hyper spiritual in that regard, but like, I get a lot of dreams every night I dream. And um Sometimes I feel like I'm under attack in the sense that I'll get these dreams that are very graphic and they're dreams that were from when I was living in the world and living in sin in a homosexual relationship. And like, I have to wake up and look beside me and see my husband and I have to like recalibrate myself and, and get into a spirit of prayer because I'm just like, I can't, how do I? And so when I have people that are in my corner that are going to pray and they're going to fast and they're going to meet me where I'm at. Um, to me, that is so valuable. And I think that, um, anybody doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, you should have somebody in your life that you could consider yourself a mentor. Um, or maybe it's you, maybe it's your season of life to be a mentor to someone else. But I truly think that the body of Christ was never, ever, ever meant to go at life individually. I think we are meant and called to be dependent on each other. We are part of a body. So like if the thumb decided one day that it just wanted to peace out and go do its own thing, like that hurts the rest of the body, yeah. <laughs> you know? So Definitely. like you are valuable to your body in terms of the body of Christ. 
Um, you're valuable in the testimony that you bring, but also like reach out to the hand, you know, you're a thumb well, you're part of the hand, reach out to the hand part, the palm and see how the palm can help you to overcome certain trials in your life. You know, we know that with the Holy ghost, we have a helper, we have a comforter with us at all times. And that's so great. But sometimes it's like, I'll pray and my prayers hit the ceiling or I'll pray, God, please don't give me a dream tonight. And I'll have a dream. It is what it is. Like God's taking you through a season. God is taking me through a season right now. And so, um, I think it just comes down to finding somebody that can be in your corner, whether or not they've had an experience like yours, I don't know, but find somebody that you can connect with that will know you that you can trust. Um, and you know, just going to throw that out there. Don't feel like you can trust everybody just because they're in the church. Um, I think that that's kind of an important piece of information. I don't want to leave out just because they go to a church or attend a church doesn't mean that they are trustworthy, but find somebody that you can trust, um, and just get on their level, love them, uh, and then be mentored by them and let them speak into your life. Let them pray with you, let them check in and be accountable with you. And, and I think that is something that, um, I wish that I had a little more of, I mean, I had it in a boyfriend at the time and now a husband, but like, I wish I had a female, um, in that season of life that could have just walked me through a lot of these seasons that had mm -hmm. sort of, whether they had come from the world at one point or whether they had been in homosexuality, I don't know, but to just have somebody that could be on my level and understand where I was coming from that, oh my gosh, the price that I would have paid, it would have taken me, oh, half the time that it's taken me to get to where I am today. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, of course, every season, whether it takes you forever or, you know, a couple of years or whatever, um, it's important and it shapes who you are and your testimony is formed through that. But, you know, I think it's just important to surround yourself with people that are in your corner, going to pray with you. Um, of course, my biggest piece of advice I'll give to anybody is pray and fast, like fasting cannot be forgotten about. I feel like people just don't think about it as much as they should. Um, when you are sacrificing, when you are killing your body, let's put it that way. Paul says that I die daily when you lay aside those things. And that could be, um, for me, it's social media. I can go without food for in eternity. Honestly, it doesn't bother me, but for me to give up like social media, that is one of the hardest things that I possibly have ever done. Um, but God honors that and he blesses it and he reveals himself in a whole new way. And that helps you form your identity in Christ. It's those moments alone with God where you have sacrificed something and you're coming to God on your knees and you're saying, Lord, here I am, use me. Your servant is listening. When you come to God with that posture, God forms an identity in you even stronger than it was before. And he is shaping you to be the child of God that you were created to be. And, um, yeah. Having somebody in your corner that will help you to do that, I think is just an absolutely imperative to your growth, um, as a child of God. Well, that was just truly a blessing and thank you so much for speaking truth in love and mm -hmm. in boldness, but in obviously a loving way. And I know that this is going to touch many out there um, most of the listeners are female, but I do have males who listen, some pastors and youth leaders and other podcasters who, you know, are apostolic as well. 
And I think we could all get on board with the idea and the truth of how our identity is truly in God and Mm -hmm. that he can take anyone, no matter the circumstances, no matter the background, he can take them and make them new. And I'm just Mm -hmm. so grateful that he's done that for you, Eleni. Mm -hmm. And then of course, for me that we're able to connect in this way, there would have been, I don't, I don't know any other connection that we would have been able to connect as far as like, how would we even get to know each other? And right. so God just kind of brought us together. And that is such a beautiful thing. And I wanted to just give you one last chance to just share anything else that's been on your heart. If there's anything that we haven't talked about before we go, uh, I just wanted to kind of give you the floor one more time and just kind of let you speak. Oh, man. Yeah, I... I guess I just want to, um, I want to encourage the listeners, every, every single person that's listening, because I have a theory that, um, and maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that we are all in a weird way, like, and I'm going to be real and this is going to be probably really uncomfortable for some people, but, um, we're all sexual beings. Like we were created that way. Um, I mean, it was the first commandment (laughs) given to Adam and Eve, like be fruitful and multiply. It's part of our identity in Christ. Like we are sexual beings. We have, um, a gender, we have parts and I'm like, don't get me on that. Cause we, I could talk about that for literally years, but, um, we all, I think will come to this crossroads as, as long as the, the world continues to go this way, which we know it probably will. Um, we're all going to have a a crossroads in our mind. And this is not necessarily from God because we, you know, just because we are created as sexual beings doesn't necessarily mean that these feelings are from God, but we are going to have this moment for a lot of us, especially, you know, in your teenage years, when your hormones are like raging all over the place where you are going to question your identity. Like it's not as uncommon as I thought it was. Like the more I got talking about this, the more I recognized that people that have lived their whole life in the church totally struggled with same-sex attraction at one point, not everybody, but I'm saying like, it's not an uncommon thing and it doesn't get talked about ever. And I don't know the statistics based on, um, I'd be interested to know. I would be very, very interested to know how many people uh, who identify as um, LGBTQ2+, how many of those people have suffered sexual trauma as children? I don't know the statistics. Right. I'd be interested to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do some research um, within Canada, but I don't feel like our numbers are really that accurate because we're just a smaller population. Um, but in North America, where this message is loud and clear, I would love to know how many people um, struggle with coming out after having suffered sexual trauma. Um, but if you are in the church and you've never suffered sexual trauma and you live a great life, your parents take you to church every Sunday, Wednesday, um, you are a leader of a youth group or you're a part of a youth group. Like it's not an uncommon thing to struggle with thoughts like that. 
it is the enemy who is infiltrating your mind in a world that is sexually electrifying right now. Yeah. So the messages that you are going to get in your head are going to line up with the world and you need to know, and I'm going to give you your tools right now. Okay. You need to know that that is common and it's not, don't feel like you're the worst person to have these thoughts. Sorry. The first person to have these thoughts. Um, but I need you to do something when you feel this way. I need you to repent because those thoughts are not of God. And it says in the word to take into captivity, the thoughts in your mind. And I want you to literally take your little hand and lasso it, lasso these thoughts over top of your head. I know this sounds really like word of faithy, but hear me out. I want you to physically manifest (laughs) what you are doing. Take your thoughts into captivity and toss them down, tearing down every stronghold. I want you to throw them down. I want you to repent. And I want you to get into the word of God. I want you to read Proverbs, no specific proverb, so to speak. I just want you to read, start reading through Proverbs. I want you to understand that for every single thing that comes to your mind, there is a counterpart that comes from the word of God. I say Proverbs because it's full of wisdom, but you can go anywhere. But like, yes, you're going to think these thoughts. Yes, you're going to feel these things. Yes, the world is going to echo every single thing you're feeling. And you're going to say, this is, this is the right path. This is where I'm supposed to be. No, it is not. This is the world. This is the enemy infiltrating your mind in a world that is absolutely pushing this agenda. Grab those thoughts with a little lasso, toss them to the ground, pulling down that stronghold. And I want you to go to the word of God and pray because without any tools in your tool belt, all you're doing is just making really silly things with your hands in the air. Like you're not doing anything. Hmm. You need to cast down those thoughts. You need to tear down those strongholds. That is this world's agenda that is coming at us from all sides. And you need to go to the Lord, go to the word and you need to pray. Those are the two things, the three things that you need to do. Um, and yeah, just don't feel alone. And if you uh, are feeling those things and you have questions, please, please, please find me on social media. I think JC will probably put my info in the notes. Um, but yeah, come and find me, message me. I am here. I'm all ears. I will pray with you, whatever you need. Um, but just know that you don't have to do that alone. Well, Eleni, thank you so much for sharing your story, your willingness to share your heart and be vulnerable with us. I think that is the most beautiful thing that we can do when we do share our stories is to be real, to be open and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. to remind people that God will meet us, you know, where we are. And as long as we are willing to obey his word and we are willing to do what he says that he can, he can just move mountains that we never thought were possible. And I love your heart and I thank you for being on the podcast with me. And I'm so excited for all the new music that you're going to be working on. And I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. Amen. I'm looking forward to it too. And I'm looking forward to this new season. I can't wait to listen to all your guests that you have. And I will be tuning in as well to your Fruits of the Spirit podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm really excited. And you'll have to let me know what you think when you listen to it. It's going to be great. I just know it already. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Eleni, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? 
tagging me at Hello Awesome Live, I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Don't forget to subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome and shop inspirational products, head to helloawesome.live using the promo code HELLO10 for 10% off your next purchase. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.